so much for taking the time to do this. Um, you just you having a good day overall, though? Yeah, it's, it's pretty. I feel like Monday is always kind of a bit like not, not rough, but it's just like where you're kind of like, oh, I need to like tie these ends together and I need to finish this thing up. And like, it's, it's Monday. <laughs> It's Mondays, famously, as Garfield said. Um, how's, yeah, everybody, yeah. how's everybody in the Cabal camp? Everybody doing well? Yeah, I think we're pretty good. Like, uh, we're just super excited to finally release the album, go on the Never Say Die tour. Just, like, a lot of cool stuff happening all the time. Like, so you kind of, like, it's a lot of work, but in a really good way, so... It's nice to be busy after a couple of years of not really being able to. And as you said, yes. uh, we are... We're less than two weeks away from the release of the new album. I'm going to attempt to say this. It's Magno Interitis. Is that correct? Uh, I think it's Magno Interitus, but I, I don't know Latin. So I just, I like the words and the meaning. So I picked it up. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. So. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Um, so you said yeah. excited about it, but where's your head at overall right now? Is there an anxiety to get it out because, it, you know, this long build and the weight and stuff like that? Yeah, I think that, like, for me, it's always the, like, is people, like, are people going to like it? Are they going to think it sucks? Are they, like, like I, I feel like the response has been really good, but I always have this weird jittery feeling of being like, oh, is the two years of hard work we just put in, is, like, are people going to resonate with it? Or are they going to be like, nah, I like the old stuff? Uh, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's a matter of waiting and seeing, but... The reaction to the singles that have been released so far, that kind of gives you some idea, I think, is how the yeah, album exactly. received. Everyone's been loving them. Massive amount of yeah. music and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm really happy about that. Uh, so I'm I'm not that I, I I don't think I'll ever be able to release something without having a little bit of the like, oh, is people gonna like it jitters? Uh but I'm I'm fairly confident that people like if they liked us before, they're gonna like this as well. They're like in my humble opinion, this is our best work so far. So, in twenty-five years' time, twenty-five years of uh, Cabal, you'll you'll not care anymore. You won't care what anyone thinks at that stage. No, uh, I agree with you. Uh, it's been uh, on my play all day today, getting to know the album ahead of release, and uh, yes, yeah. I concur with you. It is uh, your best work today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm happy. One person convinced. <laughs> <laughs> Well, take me back to the early days of the record's creation, specifically what your vision looked like and was it quite clear what you wanted to do from the start? Um, yeah, I think like uh, thematically, it's like, uh, I think once like we got hit with the pandemic, I was like, oh, I kind of know where we're going with this shit. Like I usually write to kind of like events uh, and I write about stuff I don't like and like, things that I it's kind of like my way of coping and vending uh so that's why it's primarily like negative stuff I write about because that's what I need to get out of my system if I'm feeling happy I don't really have anything to write about in like regard like in a cabal sense at least uh so and there was a lot of unhappiness during fucking uh, that pandemic we lost like so many shows we couldn't get any like uh government what's it called like they wouldn't recoup anything because the shows were just moved so like yeah but we still had like there's still a year and a half where we couldn't play like i know the show's been moved but we still lost all the money we were like um so that was shit <laughs> mm. and also releasing our second album just into kind of nothing because we released it right at the beginning of 
uh, of the pandemic. And we worked so fucking hard on that album as well. So that was also like a mental gut punch. Uh, so it kind of like uh, Magnum Territory just translates into like the great decay. And I feel like on every level, like on a personal level, on the level with the band and on a society level, it felt like everything was fucking falling around, like falling apart around us. So that was kind of like the idea for like the lyrical themes of the album. And for like the visual side, uh, we watched Midsummer, and everybody was like, there it is, there it is. <laughs> because we kind of like, we did the whole like kind of Scandinavian, like black metal inspired aesthetic for like the first, first EP and two albums. And we're like, we want to keep like the Scandinavian like, like roots in it, but we kind of like want to, Kind of evolve on it and then we saw midsummer and it's like oh there it is that's that's what we're gonna do like incredible i wonder how many people will pick up on that inspiration um it's 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 put a big smile on my face so would you say this album this album might not exist if i if you hadn't been in the position you were following drag me down and of course the cancellation or delay of so many shows or is yeah, that yeah. possible to know uh come again is it just impossible to know if this yeah. album would have existed? Yeah, I, I think there would have been some stuff like uh, I feel like we would have written a like, very negative and angry album regardless because that's kind of like what Kabbalah is in my eye. Um, but I think a lot, lot of also the way we kind of like the kind of pictures I like tried to paint probably wouldn't have been written in that way if it makes sense. Like. I think like the pandemic was like a direct influence in the way we like, or at least I wrote all the lyrics. Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, such a significant event that we fingers crossed uh, never have to experience in our lifetimes again. <laughs> I would but, love not to experience that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Considering then the pandemic hits and you're focusing on that and you're working your way through music and you're doing forced to do it in a uniquely different way than you've ever done before. Was there anything in particular or things that directed the direction you went in that kind of changed perhaps what you may have planned to do for the better or worse? Um, I feel like in regards to songwriting, nothing really changed for us because we've always like we're so fortunate that uh, Chris, who is our main songwriter, he has he's a full time producer. He has his own studio. He like his life is making metal music and producing that. Um, and we've always had the process where he he'll write uh, like an uh, instrumental demo. He'll send it to us, and we'll give him feedback. And he'll once that's done, I'll write write some lyrics and add the vocal parts. We'll record that, send it to the guys, and like and they'll like give us feedback. And once we really, like everybody's happy, we have a song. Like so that's how it's always been and we just kind of like that fit very well into the whole not being able to meet up physically anyways uh, but we could really feel it on some of our videos uh, we wanted to be do like bigger and wilder things but due to COVID we couldn't really like have very many people on set so a lot of it like the Magnum Territus video and the exit video is just shot in our, our rehearsal room that we kind of like just repurposed and for that so we kind of had to get really creative and be like, okay, we can't do any of the things we kind of wanted to do. Like, how do we do this? Like, on a what smaller like scale? Yeah, you're making the best of the situation. I mean, think back to two two years ago. Um, 
and the early days and every band artist was trying to work out how to do something online and what started off as a guitar and a Facebook live turned into full blown production shows. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. The adaption was incredible. Yeah. We did a few of those uh, where we just like played some streaming festivals and stuff like that. Fun. And it was kind of cool, but at the same time, it was also a bit lackluster because I feel like for at least for us, for like our live show to reach like hundred percent, like it's peak, we need the crowd interaction and like, so just playing into like a room with guys with cameras, just like it was a little bit like uh, not really like what we like to do, but it was better than nothing. Yeah, I guess better than nothing. You are right. Yeah. I, I picture you playing live and I know it's about feeding off the energy of the crowd as much. It's a symbiotic relationship between crowd and band. So exactly. <laughs> I'm glad, glad you're playing live now. Yeah, so are we. <laughs> So the, the, the translation, The Great Decay, uh, you already mentioned. What does that specific sort of term mean to you? Um, I feel like it might just be me being becoming like more old, like becoming older and more jaded. But I, I feel like the world is like, the way I view it, we're like, we're not on the up and up anymore. We're like going in the wrong fucking direction. We're like, world was through too. Like a tree is kind of looming. We have like, uh, shortage of supplies the planet is dying nobody seems to really give a fuck like and like we, there's so much horrible shit going on that like i don't think it's been this bad in the last like since world war ii almost like at least not in the western world and they're just like talking about all the fucking shit that's going on in all the parts of the world that we don't get told about in our media that's like suffering way worse than any of us due to our actions as well mm. um so i feel like it's just like this feeling of everything like going the wrong way it's like my generation is also like i like to read some articles by people who are way smarter than me who do some research and we're like financially and socially we're like one of the first generations who are like actually worse off than our parents hmm. like getting a fucking loan for a house like forget it and like you're not like inflation we're not getting paid anymore and like so all of these things like we the generation's fucked, like. Yeah, 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 you're not wrong. Um, it's an It can be an incredibly depressing and hard um, area to spend your mind in, which yeah. brings me to then, when it comes to you vocalizing and you expressing these themes and subjects that you want to, what was the most challenging part for you on this new album? Uh, how, how so? So when it came to kind of, expressing all these thoughts and feelings you have about what you're seeing around you and narrowing that down into the format that is the album the songs what was the most challenging part of that um kind of like maybe not repeating myself too much okay uh i because like a lot of it is kind of like centered around this and then i try to kind of like be like this is about how humanity sucks but in this direction this is about how humanity sucks but in this direction i like uh, and I even do a, like a cheek, there's a cheek little reference to it in like uh, in the song called Plaguebringer, mm -hmm. last song, where I just, I sing like, I said it before and I'll say it again, this is the end. <laughs> just because I know I'm fucking going on and on about this shit, so. 
here's the thing like normally i would think okay this expression and what you've uh, expelled here is cathartic because hey you've managed to get it out of your system but ultimately as you said yourself the world as we know continues to decline so is it is it as cathartic as it should have been e.g you were able to express it and then look away yeah the thing is i don't really think there's any looking away anymore i felt like back in the day when I was young and optimistic and I still had a glimmer of hope in my eyes. <laughs> well, it would work that the way that you described. I would write the song and be like, I'm so fucking mad about this, we'll play it. I'm like, ah, oh, I feel good now. Yeah. And now I, I get a sense of that. I feel like just my body being tired after a show, be like, oh, I feel like all the endorphins are hitting me. But I don't, I, I don't ever really like these days, like there's always this fucking sense of dread looming in the back of my head. Mm. and it might also just be me who's an anxious weird person but no no i think it comes across strongly in the album as well but it's, i think it's important for people particularly when they're going to connect to it to understand that this your mindset and what they're hearing from not just what not just the voice but also the instruments isn't uh pretend it isn't you're just playing around for a period of time and no actually we're really happy with the state of the world it is uh, you are. Yeah, we we mean it like Unfortunately, I wish I was just playing pretend because that'd be way like way better, and I'd be probably be happier as a person. But yeah, you can wish. Yeah, you wish you could do songs about rainbows and sunshine and yeah, yeah, yeah. all that, but it isn't the case, unfortunately. No, exactly. Yeah, I also feel like that would be a weird fit for Cabal, like the music. <laughs> <laughs> Across the album, uh, there are a number of impressive guests in the album. Now, I'm not going to ask you who your favourite was to work with, because that's crazy talk. There are impressive guests. <laughs> but rather, I wanna, I'm want i wondering, who challenged you? Who challenged the Cabal narrative with their collaboration that made you go, OK, this is going to force us to work a little bit harder, too? Uh, I think it was definitely like the, the feature we have with John Connor, like the producer duo, because like they... What they is also a different, way different than like normally a feature would be. Somebody from the band, like the vocalist, coming in and doing like a vocal part that I would have pre written and I've written the vocals for. And like that's how we usually do it and send it to him, be like, this is how I've recorded it. This is the lyrics. If you want to change anything, it's cool. Like, but you can also just do it as is. Um, but with John Connor, it's like they add, like, added an like, entire different, like, part to the middle of the song and all of these like uh some different ambience from what we use and it also so it also opened up for me to try out new things and like i i thought it was so cool kind of being like pushed to try out new stuff and see like where our sound could kind of like take us i felt like that was going to be the one you were going to say um it's certainly uh yeah it's such a unique proposition on an album filled with yeah. unique propositions. Is there a track on the new album that hasn't been released yet that you're most intrigued and excited to hear people's feedback for? I think it's probably that track because it's so different from what we usually do. Mm. Like I'm excited. There's also like the opening track, If I Hang Let Me Swing, because I feel like that's also kind of different. Like uh, it's not, it's chalky, but we have like this small, small like carried uh, by some like light up chords. So I'm kind of like excited and this up tempo. So I'm also kind of excited to see like, ah, like what are people going to think about this one? Like, like with, I'm excited to like, just to see what people think about all the tracks, but like you, mostly the tracks that kind of like, uh, dive, like diverge from what we usually do. 
Yeah, I think it's really important that uh, people note that while this is utterly and very recognisable you, this is also evolution. This is you growing as musicians and this is trying new stuff. I think that's going to probably be the most fascinating responses uh, that you're going to find to it is those people pulling the layers apart, as it were. Yeah. With, with that in mind, then, do you, are you the kind of person who trawls the messages, the social media, the comment section to find out what people are thinking? Or are you happy enough to stay away from that and just let it come to you? I usually read all the reviews and read people's like comments because uh, I come from a background in doing digital marketing. So I know oh. like uh, how important it is to have like, I almost want to call comment, comments like customer reviews. Like, did, like if everybody, like it's this balance of, like, if we want to do something, we're going to do it regardless of people like it, I think. Because so far, we haven't, like, we've been hit with, like, oh, you, you fucking sold out. You, like, what, blah, 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 whatever people want to say. But if we do something and everybody fucking hates it, that might be something we need to consider. So I feel like it's, uh, it is some uh, valuable, like, information to go through that. Like, just sometimes people have some really good points. I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't really think about that. That's actually a really good idea like but as a person fully aware of uh, the digital marketing side of things you you you, you must re- you must realize it's also an incredible drag and it, it can be difficult to get your head out of the negativity that sometimes exists online how do you balance uh, that part of it i'm uh, i'm not that affected by like negativity like the thing is uh, i don't know if i'm gonna come like come off as sound super arrogant but so far we haven't had anybody whose opinion i value highly or like really respect say anything negative about us like most of like our peers like the response we get is really really good uh, and the the people who like tell us that we suck and they're like i don't know call tell me like uh, like come with condescending remarks about how i look or something like that there's like some fucking weird seller dweller in the mom's basement or like I, like why should your opinion matter? But if we like put it out and like some of our heroes were like, this fucking sucks. And like, we, we might be like, oh, okay. We maybe need to reconsider what we're doing right now. Yeah, no, I understand that completely. But the most important thing here is there is very little negativity coming from people's voices, be them yeah. or anyone. Um, and over a short amount of time, because Cabal's only been alive as it were as a band for a short amount of time. You've made a hell of a name for yourself. We're trying. <laughs> yeah. What is it then from your perspective that you think means so many people are connecting to you? Um, I think that especially from like what I've noticed, like this lyrically from like Drag Me Down, like that was like the, the EP and the first record were like most like loosely con- conceptual. It was like uh, it had like overarching themes and like stuff like that but it was mostly like written about like this difficult trying to like get the world to end so a lot of it was like just this made up pretend world uh, and i thought it was really cool but then from drag me down and onwards i started like actually writing about personal shit and i can have so there's been a lot of people reaching out and saying hey yeah i i feel this way too it helps like knowing that somebody else feels this way um so i feel like yeah that's been very significant um yeah <laughs> the connection on an emotional level yeah and also we when we play live uh 
we also try to like really give it all I'll, I'll be like jumping into the crowd and like we'll be we have christian one of our guitars he's fucking always spinning around himself doing like circle head bangs and like that's also why we like to do really short sets when we can like usually my preferred set length is like 30 minutes because then we could just go in and just like it can be like this non-stop barrage of energy and then we stop before it gets boring and before we tire ourselves out yeah yeah 30 minutes of chaos instead of an hour and a half of uh, slow peaks and valleys because you've got to pace yourself yeah, yeah exactly i don't <laughs> I'm grueling the day where we have to play an hour and a half. <laughs> it's kind of—I don't know. Oh, I don't hope so. Like, we—we kind of like the band. Every time we get like an hour slot, we're like, "Is it fine if we play forty minutes?" And most, like, most of the festivals and venues be like, "Yes, but don't you want the full time?" No, good. Forty is fine. It's that. It's a rare thing. Normally, bands are asking for more time, but you're asking for less. Yeah. I'm a bit puzzled yeah. by it. Exactly, but it's just like we know. Also, with the kind of music we we aren't without without self reflection, so we know a lot of our stuff is like chalky must pit music, mm-hmm. and the gimmick of that for like an hour it kind of wears off. Like at some point, you have like a really solid back catalog with like fan favorites, and then you can do that with an hour genre. But for the, most fans with an hour genre, kind of like the magic kind of goes off after like. 40 plus minutes then it's like oh another breakdown what a surprise no no i understand that completely um, but anyone ever talks about your live shows uh it always comes away again just like the music incredibly satisfied incredibly uh excitable as well very swaying i'm happy to hear that <laughs> so i mean i guess the plan really is get the album out and then throughout 2023 just tour the hell out of this record to make up for what yeah. you couldn't do last time exactly we're gonna try to tour as much as possible at I don't know when this is going to be public, but we're doing like Dying Fetus is doing an album release tour in in the beginning of 2023, which we are on. And we're trying to go back to the States. Uh, hopefully we have some things we've been pitched for. Hopefully we get that. We might do a headline tour next autumn. And like we have some festivals lined up. We, we just basically like the plan is like, let's see if we can do like half a year out of the year. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you weren't able for to so long. And although we're like, oh, you know, everything's okay now, right? You yeah. You never know what's around the corner. No, exactly. So we need to. That's also the thing. Like, we, we're behind them. The way I view it, we're behind them touring. Because we were supposed, like, for, on the first record, we didn't really tour that much. We didn't have, like, the right setup, the right covers. Like, we're trying to figure out all that, that stuff uh, while we went along as well. And then, like, things started clear. Like, uh just before like directly down we got an american booker we did our first u.s run we went to japan and it was like oh shit it's happening we had some cool european tours lined up it was like oh it's happening now we got it like now we can just go all in and then covid happened that means like we're we're, like two albums behind on touring so we're just gonna like double down and tour as much as humanly possible i think yeah yeah it makes sense is you know you basically lost two years of your band life yeah exactly I got one more for you, Andreas, before I let you go. And it's uh, this. It's spooky season. It's October, which is, of course, Halloween month. So I simply want to ask you, considering that's a major part of what we do on our website, what is Andreas's perfect Halloween night? Uh, It'd be like uh, smoking a giant and hanging out with some friends and then uh, watch some, uh, some horror movies. I am big into horror, which you might see, like, in our, like, music videos. There's, like parallels between horror and that 
Of course, uh, no, of course, absolutely. Uh, what's, what's, what's the go-to horrors then for you at Halloween? Is there anything specific or do you hunt out new and fresh stuff? I try to hunt out new, new and fresh stuff, but there's also like some movies that I kind of like going back to. I'm, I'm the kind of guy, if I find a movie I really like, I have some, like a certain like a uh, couple of friends are like, we need to watch this together because this is fucking sick. And like, uh, well, I have yeah. to follow that up then with what's, what's great, what's a great modern horror that you've seen that you kind of just want to tell people to go see? Uh, I think this is from the 2010s. Uh, it's a South Korean one called I Saw the Devil. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's intense. Yeah, it's so good. I think I've watched it at least 10 times. Like, uh, yeah, that's I'm, a- yeah, I'm so into that movie. It's like, I like how every, like, the morality is gray and there's like no black and white. So like how it just progresses and like your protagonist kind of becomes a monster himself and all of like, it's so good. And like the gore is so well done. Like, yeah, really, really liked it. Are you? Are you have much interest in uh, the new Halloween film that's coming out soon, and uh, Hellraiser, the new one that's just yeah. come out, and so on? I just saw the new uh, Hellraiser movie. That was actually really good. Uh, I feel like at all, it's not like I wasn't like blown away, but it's like the best Hellraiser movie that's come out since like the second one, I think. Well, I mean that that's that's all that matters. If uh, a good Hellraiser, good Hellraiser movie is better than another bad Hellraiser movie. There's been so many bad Hellraiser movies. I don't like. You can really feel that they were doing this thing where they just were like, oh, we need to make a movie before the rights run out. There's this script that hasn't. Can we just mash Pinhead into it? Yeah, let's do that. It's been. It makes for uh, some incredible, if you've uh, yeah, incredible watching at least just to see the level yeah. of crap that exists. Exactly. But now they got the guy called Jerry, uh, uh, what's it called? I think it's called Jerry Buckner. I think that's uh, what it is, yeah. He's the guy who made the ritual, if you've seen that. Mm-hmm. We used to refer to that one as Cabal the movie because, like, for our first album, we were doing so- there was like little shots in that movie that we did on our music video. And we shot them before that came out. We were like, what the fuck? And like, the whole thing having this, this northern entity that people were sacrificing people to was like, that's what we're writing about. Like, I'm gonna to have to go rewatch the movie to see how well that matches up. That's yeah, what? Watch the videos for like false light and stuff, and you'll see like there's like just this thing with like uh, a camera like gaining focus onto like a rune etched into a tree. It's like, oh, they did that in the movie. We did that in the video. <laughs> they copied you. What the hell? Yeah, yeah, but but the video wasn't even out yet, so <laughs> still. All right, Andreas, we got to stop there because uh, yeah. I'm running out of time and I feel like we could probably continue talking about horror for the next Yeah, time. dude, don't get me started on horror movies. I'll just go full on, like, artist mode on you and talk on <laughs> talk. Yeah. Um, new album, it's the 14th of October, so it's not too long. No, it's not. That's the wrong date. It's the 21st yeah, it's... of October. Exactly. Uh, yeah, 21st of October by Nuclear Blast. Andreas, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. Enjoy the rest of, of your day. You too, man. Have a good one. Thank you very much for watching. If you liked what you saw, please help us out by giving us a thumbs up and hitting that subscribe button. If you really liked what you saw, consider donating to keep the website and channel running by buying us a coffee via our coffee page or picking up some merch from our big cartel store. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as via our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as listen to our interviews via SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. Just search for GBHBL games, horror and heavy metal. What else is life for?